What's going on, coaches? It sounds pretty crazy to say, but this is our 200th episode. Um, it has been an unbelievable um, journey for us. Me and Coach Walls have had a blast getting to learn football from you guys, learning that football, putting it out for all the other coaches. Again, um, for you guys to listen to while you mow the yard, listen to while you work out, while you guys are driving your cars to work uh, as soon as work comes back again. Uh, we've had a blast, and, and for us, it's been unbelievable that we get to have a clinic four hours every week as we record these so we can put them out throughout the year. So we've had a blast making the podcast, doing the videos, doing the summit, putting all that up, uh, RTP um, install, everything in RTP premium. Thank you guys for everything you do. Thank you for our sponsors. Go check everything out that we've done at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free plus 10 free to get 10 free ones as well check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com football this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at just play the team at just play hooked us up with their product as you guys know uh, and it's been a game changer for us if you've seen us on twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. This episode of RTP is a little bit of a special one for me. Uh, on this episode of RTP, we talked to my former coach, Doug Meacham. Coach Meacham is the pass game coordinator and wide receiver coach at TCU. He was my offensive coordinator at Houston my junior year. Listen as we talk with Coach Meacham about tempo offense rules and ideas, air raids three-day install philosophy, and wide receiver traits and development in a passing offense. You can follow Coach Meacham on Twitter at Meacham underscore Doug. Hope you guys enjoy. Coach, we'll go ahead and get it rolling. Obviously, um, I'm you know I, I you know me a little bit. Uh, the other guy on here with me, uh, we both run this podcast. His name's Brady Walls. He was at uh, Tulsa in at the University of Tulsa in like 2010 or 2011 um, as a GA and then um, coached at Jinx and Broken Arrow. Uh, and now he's over in Des Moines. Des Moines. 
Were you at the OSU game when uh, it got delayed till one in the morning and we played till four in the morning? Yes, sir. I was at that game. I, uh, <laughs> I was supposed to go down and help out in the locker room. I'm like, man, I ain't going down. I'm staying up here. And lo and behold, I had yeah. to stay up there for about four hours. Yeah, I did too. There, uh, someone brought in PB and J's and it was a, it was a late one. Cause I think, I think we had a short week the next week, or maybe that was a short, I don't know. I think we had A&M the next week, and it was like, we got back about 6 in the morning. It's terrible. Yeah, I had I had buddies that were, you know, they calling me. And they're like, hey, the replay your game's on. You know, it's midnight. How'd you guys end up? I'm like, no, it's live. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> they're calling to see, you know, how we did, because, you know, they had money on the games and stuff. But, yeah, like, no, oh, we're yeah. just getting started, dude. Like, all right, sweet. I guess I can party all night then. All right. Yeah, all night. It was good. Yeah. Well, coach, so how we how we always start this thing is we go ahead and kind of let you introduce yourself as far as you know, kind of give everyone else your your football uh, journey or football background, if you will. You know, from from playing to coaching and how that brought you to where you are now. Okay. Um, well, played it. I'm from Texas originally. Played at Oklahoma State. Took a job at NEO for a semester. Went back to Oklahoma State as a GA. Uh, got hired as uh, a coach at Georgia Military College. Um, Glenn Wolf, who was the head coach at NEO back then, took a job out there. and uh, I played with his son, Mike, and me and my roommate were sitting at the – we were sitting at the bar at the bowl game we were playing. He came up next to us and said, hey uh, – this was in college. Let me back up a bit. He goes, hey, um, you guys interested in uh, – GA in for me next year and we just looked at each other and said yeah why not because I was planning on going to like Colorado being a ski bum for a year I, I had no plans and that's how it started so from NEO I went to back to she was a GA I went to Georgia military for five years or so and met back then I met that's when Hal Mummy and Leach and those guys were about off the state and um that's when I got introduced to the air raid. So that's where it all started. So I hired one of their GAs and he sat with me and we just, it was so simple and so easy that it was good because in junior college, you know, you only have them three semesters and you're, you know, they're mm -hmm. done. So you got to be pretty simple. So from there, I went to Jacksonville State. Uh, for a couple of years, the one double A in uh, Jacksonville, Alabama. Then I was at Sanford for a few years, and then I went to um, uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, Gundy hired me there. I was there for eight years. I was at Houston for a season, where I coached with. I was with Rowdy, and then TCU for uh, three or four years, and I was at Kansas um, for a little bit and then came back to TCU. So I'm back at TCU now. So that's my journey. Yeah, that's when you were at Houston, were we were we considered air raid at that time? Because that was kind of interesting to me as a lineman. I never knew, you know, hardly anything. I knew inside zone. I knew how we blocked everything. But as far as concept and schemes and, and overarching anything, I, you know, none of it meant anything to me. Now I'm figuring out there's, you know, different ways that you call passes and different concepts that marry up to different schemes uh were we yeah. was that something we were still air raid even when you were at houston because yeah, that was a little was, bit different it, it was air raid the, the foundational 
air raid in it. We just, you know, added more run game, and then you got in the, you know, just just really more run game on top of all the other stuff. Like, there's only, you know, everybody claims to be air raid. There's only one air raid guy in the whole world. It's Mike Lee. No one else is pure air raid. But like when I was with Dana, Dana Horgerson came to OSU, and uh, I'd always been an air raid guy, and uh, he he brought some of the bells and whistles, you know the the quick motion with the toss and, uh, you know, a little bit more of the run game. Uh, you may, you know, it just kind of made it a little bit more, you know, uh, you had a few more varieties of run, you know, but, but all the other drawback stuff, quick game, all that stuff was still in there uh, for sure. So the, the throw aspect of it was air rate for sure. We just added maybe, you know, a few more pops, uh you, you remember the pops i think i think back then we called them maybe 200 you know like 212 yeah all the pop uh, passes that for i loved yeah. those when i was playing those always seemed to hit yeah so um yeah you know it's just like okay we ran this play and the guy this guy made the tackle so let's pop him and pop it pop was a blanket term for block it the same way you would as if you're running that play whatever the play was and they have a pass on it so you have you had that, and then RPOs came around. It was funny. I was at <laughs> I was at I was at a TCU. This is back in like '14, and I'm sitting there, and this high these high school coaches came in, and they wanted to they sat down. And they go, Coach, we would really like to hear uh, you go through your RPOs. And I I looked around at some of the guys, and I said, I, I don't even know what what is an uh, what's an RPO. I didn't even know what RPO was. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but lo and behold, I mean, we were throwing RPOs, you know, stick draw and all that stuff. We were doing mm -hmm. all that already. We didn't, I didn't know the cool language for it. It's become such a, you know, thing now. Whereas now it's even split into two things. You got RSOs, which is a run screen option, and RPOs, like a glance or stick or jet or whatever, you know, a, a throw, you know, you're throwing down field off a run action. But but uh, it was funny. I, I'll never forget that because Sonny Cumbie and myself were sitting there. We looked at each other. Neither one of us knew what the hell RPO was. And but we but once he he explained it to us. We, oh yeah, we got some of that. So we didn't even know what it was. We just kind of was just part of the package, you know. Well, that's what I but say about Keenum, Air Aid. We we'd done that since when I got to Houston in ten. You know, Keenum was was throwing it we had ne never had any idea whether it was a run or a pass i mean we heard i yeah. think it was 500s then and we assumed it was run but half the time uh if too many guys in the box uh, you know he threw it out there and uh, like you yeah. said we didn't have a cool name for it but if there was too many if there's yeah. six in the box we're throwing the ball yeah yeah that's uh i saw him do that a lot he'd leave a run on and just he'd flash a, a throw out there and not change anything which is basically rpo you know but it's it's almost to the point now. Me personally, I'm I'm tired of hearing about all that crap. You know what I mean? I'm actually <laughs> yeah. kind of going the other direction. Like, if you get ten run schemes and a game plan, I don't really prefer to have all of them have RPOs on them. You know, um, it just gets to the point where you're not hitting the ball off at all. You know, so uh, now screens attachments that's a whole nother deal i don't mind that but a lot of the these defenses are getting good at giving you false reads because everybody knows where the run fit guy is and 
he's leaning out, make, giving you a handoff read, and he folds back in the box, and nobody can put a glove on it. He's knocking the crap out of you. You know, it, guys are, it, it's getting a little bit gray on the RPO game, I think, in terms of throwing glances and the stick, especially, and some of the quick game attachments to it. But um, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm to the, I'm getting to the point where I kind of prefer to dial some of that back a bit because really it's good for a quarterback, in my opinion, just to hand the dang thing off occasionally. Now, if you get an overloaded box, we'll check, you know. Um, so I'm kind of, going the other way a bit you know i still like pops i still like play action and um i, I like you know uh show fakes to the back with drop back stuff attached to it you know all that stuff's still good quick game is really good i'm still a huge quick game guy a lot of people don't run quick game anymore you know i went out to usc last year spent a couple of weeks and got you know graham harrell and I mean, he still throws quick game, and it was, like, refreshing to hear somebody, you know, throw a quick game. Um, and I think it's useful because it's a little bit more clear-cut, a little more precise, and, you know, you build it for one high or two high, or the man is on, you have one side doing this, other side doing that, and your neighbor handcuffed, and it's pretty clear. Um, I'm, I'm still – I still love quick game. And we have a lot more than Leach does. We have probably – I think he still runs – I spent a week there a year or so ago, and he runs basically three quick game routes, and the backside's the same every time. Uh, I think we were up around eight or nine different quick schemes. Uh, but that's my little, I guess, rant on the RPO stuff. It's just like I've just heard enough of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody is just eating alive with it, and they can get you. You know, they can, uh, they can get you. You know, I think for a quarterback, I think sometimes it gets a little fuzzy, you know. So, anyway. well, especially, especially like, like we've said, um, or at least like Coach Walls has always said, uh, you know, working with quarterbacks, it's like uh, then you add in, you know, maybe zone read. So now you're doing yeah. zone read, you're doing RPO, your guy's basically a triple option quarterback, and his mind is just reeling, and then you're expecting them to read coverages on the next play, it's just a ton of stuff. You're just kind of, there's no, you know, yeah. not that there's ever play off, but there's no mental plays off where he can yeah. hand the ball off, carry out a fake and get ready for the next play. Yeah. It's just, there's a lot on those guys. And, and when you're like, for me, I, I like to go fast still. I still think that's a weapon. And um, uh, I think that when you let other teams dig into the ground and, and, and pin their ears back, you got a problem when you can, kind of create a little apprehension because you're going a little quick and you know they may not be lined up just right or hey what was the call and all of a sudden you're snapping the ball and I think that's a problem for them as well and when you're doing speed ball you know you just can't RPO everything um I think I think it's really good stuff I, I you know personally I'm just kind of tired of hearing about it <laughs> other than that I'm just like tired of hearing about it but it is good I understand the concept trust me but um like Leach uh, runs zero RPOs. Um, mm. He has no RPOs. I think he has like a couple of pops, and you know they don't call run plays. They check versus the light box into the run play, and they only have like two run plays. So, and it seems to work. You know, <laughs> yeah. the thing about Leach and those guys—they're always going to score and move it. But when they do really well uh, in terms of win losses, usually because they, their defense is pretty good. You know, they had a couple of pretty good defenses when they were winning big. And then they had Gardner Minshew, which he made it right no matter what happened. 
half the time, you know. But. That always makes that offense really good is when you got a, a special guy back there at quarterback. Yeah, you got to have one. I mean, it's like, you know, you think about baseball, you can have five home run hitters, you can have five trouts on your team. If you don't have any pitching, it don't matter. You're going to sell a lot of tickets, you're not going to win any games, though. <laughs> right. You know, you, you got to have um, you got to have a cue. Um, and, you know, the one thing that is paramount, I think a lot of people look at a lot of different things, aspects of the quarterback, is, is accuracy. Um, you know, if a guy's accurate, he's accurate. If he's not accurate, it's hard to fix. You know what I mean? You know, uh, if you've had – if you played golf and you're a slicer and you've been slicing most of your life, it's hard to fix it. So, um, accuracy is paramount. Anticipation, paramount. You know, guys that have um, instincts. A lot of things that you can't gauge, measure, you know what I'm saying, uh, are, are critical. And that's just a big part of uh, studying the game tape. I think everybody watch highlight film, which is fine, because you can see what he really can do in a short amount of time. But if he's good enough that you like his highlight film, then you watch game film. You know, and then being around the kid, that's why camps are so important, be around the kid to kind of get a feel, you know, if he, is he cutting lines to get up there and try to steal an extra rep? Is he, is he have juice to him? Uh, you know, is he a guy that fades in the paint? There's a lot of things you can tell about a guy who's, you know, talking about QBs at camps. It's not necessarily always got a big arm and he's 6'3". It's mm. A lot of the intangibles you can't measure, you can find that stuff at camps, you know, when you're working with a kid, you know. Uh, you can get a sense of his personality and how he's going to be when, when the heat turns up a little bit. You know, not entirely, but a little bit. You know, you know more so than you normally have. So. Well, Coach, you said, you know, you talked about you still are, are more of an up-tempo offense. Ha- have you always – have you stayed that way? My kind of big – I don't want to say argument, but my the weird thing for me is the teams that go no huddle and don't have that higher tempo – to me, it seems like they're just allowing the defense to get set to exactly what their formation is. Like, even if you're in a yeah, huddle, I, you break the huddle, you come out, defense has to get set and you're snapping the ball. Well, if you're in, yeah. if you're in no huddle, you're just standing there. They're getting whatever calls they want if you're not playing at a high tempo. Yeah, that's, that's a good point because, like, you're showing them the formation, you're showing them where your, your best players lined up and who to bracket. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, if you're slow anyway, it's better off to huddle. You're probably faster huddling because the amount of time they have to process what you're doing and where you lined up is probably quicker from a huddle than a no huddle, just standing there counting the clock down. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, yeah, I think I agree with you on that point. That's probably a good point. But, you know, people ask me before, you know, at what point on the clock – on the shot clock, are you snapping the ball? My answer is I have no idea. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I never look at the thing until it's four-minute offense, and you're trying to run it down. But I think one of the guys said we were snapping in our regular tempo, usually around 15 seconds left. Uh, which I don't. I don't know. That's just what someone told me. I never. <laughs> <really did>. uh, <laughs> Coach, yeah, you know. I think. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just to say, you know, you know, you being a, a pass game guy and a pass game coordinator, I'm always fascinated to ask you guys because it seems like every year, you know, you sit down as a staff and it's like, well, how do we want to install this? How do you want to install, you know, is that something that you've kind of, you know, modified as you've gone along or is it something where it's like, man, I know I'm installing these plays. 
on these days. I know I'd read, you know, Dana wanted to install things in three days and repeat. And I didn't know if that was something you do. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of always interested in, in hearing, you know, your side of the story. How do you install things and, and put it all in and yeah. practice it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's still the same. You know, we, we slice it into th thirds. Um, and it compartmentalizes it so that particular day, say you're on a day one install, and you're only talking about 10 or 12 schematics, you know, run, pass, screen, play action, all that stuff. Um, it really helps the kid uh, because he's not – he's just focused on those plays, and that's it. And we get good film of him doing what's correct, you know. And then the next day, you go day two, you don't run any of those plays. You go the next day, and it's compartmentalized again. It's not a comprehensive exam, you know what I'm saying? It's not like you keep adding, but you're keeping all the other stuff you had. So I like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you go day three, and then you go back to day four. Uh, you start over on your day one install, but you may do it out of a different formation or with a different motion. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just really, when you install in the spring in two days, that's how you do it. Now, Prior to two-a-days, what you like to do is, uh, or prior to spring, either way, you take the, you take all your calls from the season before, and you look at, all right, what percentage did we run this scheme? Uh, we ran it, coach, we ran it six times, but we damn repped it to death. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, we, we may eliminate that one or put it on like i have this other list of like back burner stuff that may not make the the day one or two three install but you may take it off the install there may be something else or a different way to do something that may be more useful but if we're not wrapping it enough through the course of the season we don't call it we kind of dissolve it a little bit and you try to call more of what you call you know what i mean like even in practice like we always have four verticals and that's, that's kind of the marrow of the whole air raid is. So when we do install, we install that day one. And then we also kind of keep calling it two and day two and three, because we, the percentages of us calling that in the season are pretty high. You know what I mean? It's one of the few plays that you kind of call every day. Uh, inside zone, another one you probably call every day. But if there's a run scheme, like say you're a zone option, stuff and you ran it six times well why is it on your install sheet you know what i'm saying so <laughs> but three yeah. years ago you're seeing a lot of fire zone from the field and you're checking into it and you're as a great play you ran it 28 times you know you had you know you had 12 explosives well shit it's a good play to have uh but you know you just kind of weed things in and out a bit not wholesale sometimes it's it's based on who you have and what they can do you know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes you may be an outside zone team because you got a back or two that's more of an outside zone guy. And and so you kind of shrink maybe some of your inside stuff. And then vice versa, you have a more of an inside zone guy. You don't really feel the outside zone. You, you minimize it. You don't really wrap it. As much. You know, you just do it based on what you have as well as how many times you actually called it and then how many times it actually worked, you know. Uh, sometimes you get hard-headed, like, I was hard-headed about this quick game route called Spacing. I think Spacing's probably on every Xbox game in the world, and, um, 
it looked cool on paper, uh, and eventually I trashed it, and we got I got something else from the Green Bay Packers, and, and actually um, uh, Graham Harrell runs it, and um, so I dissolved one in that one. You know, that's an example. You know what I'm saying? But the foundational drawback stuff, like the '90s stuff, all that 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 really you just kind of have to you keep it on the install, but you may rep one a little bit more than the others based on the usage you had the year before and then there's there's plays on your install that are very minimally used you may dissolve them and come up with something else you know so coach what are, are you guys still um have, have you always stayed pretty heavily uh, a zone style run game uh, is that you know you yeah. see a lot of teams you know some teams are going even we us one year we were heavy pin pull you know you see a lot of gap scheme now yeah. with that offense, but zone, I think, is yeah. kind of the what we've always had done. Yeah, zone, inside, outside zone, and draw the three base runs. But the, the issue is nowadays with all the four eyes, the zero nose, you know, the double cloud, mm-hmm. that, that you, you know, you've got to have a gap scheme in there. You can't run inside zone into it. You run outside zone. Inside draw is not as fun. Um, so, uh, the, the GT and the, you know, power stuff, you know, the gap stuff, you kind of have to have it now based on that front. You, do y'all see that much? The two, four eyes and all that business? The three yeah. Down we, with four eyes. Oh, oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Iowa state made it popular and they started making it popular against me when I was at Kansas. I think it was the first time they did it wholesale and it was kind of a surprise and, um, you know, you hate to admit you were surprised. I was surprised. And so the next game, we also, we came up with a sheet that we kind of keep in a trunk in the equipment trunk. That's we come up with some plays that are prevalent, you know, good against that front and that coverage, you know, that double cloud stuff. Uh, so if they just go all of a sudden, just start running it, you know, we have that plan. We have that eight or 10 play plan that we can go to if we need to just as a reminder, but yeah, that's, um, that front is kind of created, you know, you just can't be inside outside zone to draw because you're going to run into that. And, you know, inside zone, it, it just bounces out to those alleys, you know, and those alley players don't really go anywhere because they got trapped corners outside of them. So it looks like a four man box. It's actually a six man box, you know? So yeah, but run-wise, a little bit more gas scheme. But if everybody was just four down, I probably wouldn't run any of that stuff because inside-outside zoning, you're real fast. You know, it's not as, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're track blocking when you're going fast. It's not as, you know, like when you're gap scheming and stuff, one little shade changes or all of a sudden the three is a shade and it changes another power slider or a whole another call to a guard and a tackle. You know what I'm saying? Like, it'll slow you down a bit. But you have to have it with the, the style of defenses these days. Um, but if you want to go fast and score down team, yeah, inside outside zone. You know that's because it's it's not as much ID. You know, and you can just go fast. What so so? What do you do when you run into just a completely new defense? I mean, obviously, there's only so much you can do in the game. But even now, like you know, even if you're you see a new defense. And and you know you had to play that team in three weeks, but you haven't seen any team even know what to do against them yet. I mean, is it just 
now you're you're just drawing stuff up on the board and, and working stuff in practice trying to figure it out what what would well, you mean what's like the process like or, no like no just knowing like okay you saw him that time and now you know you're gonna have to you know play him again at some point so you start right. working on him but a lot of times you could go back and film and see okay these teams have hurt them with this and these teams but now they've wholesale into this new type of defense and no one's played against them with it yet so now you're getting time yeah. to study it what what's your process now because you're seeing it you're watching film on it okay even if we think this will work i mean you really haven't seen anyone use it and it work yet yeah i mean there's there's a few remedies there one um to answer your question one there's not a whole lot that's just totally benign to anything else you've probably seen uh two you got to figure out what you have to find out what gives them an issue is it speed is it um you know you study motion tape you know what motions get do they, do they spin do they bump do they check do they there's motion mess with them uh like i said then you watch us you know we have a filter in our film for any team that runs a play that's real fast like fastball we study fastball and does that calm them down do they have two coverages now they have you know uh there's a lot of different things you got to find out what you know they're obviously trying to upset your rhythm what upsets their rhythm that's where you start so you find a few things that you like be it speed be it personnel grouping be in alignment like stacks and squeezes and uh, you know a tidy you know just things personnel wise that may give them an issue qb run game you know what I'm saying? Uh, just things to start with. And, but, you know, beyond all that stuff, you know, it is a little bit of, you know, you look at big plays, like we have a big play filter, like big play run, big play pass, and what did hurt them, you know? All right, well, this these things kind of consistently hurt them the most, and we have something similar to that, you know, then you go to that. Um, but uh, you, you just have to lean on each other and, do a good job studying and coming up with some fresh ideas. You know, the thing about being an offense coordinator is, it's, you know, it's not to this level, but I mean, like, it's almost like you have to hit, you have to write a hit song every week. And you That's got six right. days. And if you don't write a very good song, you lose. You know what I'm saying? So, however long it takes to sit there and figure it out, you got to sit there and figure it out. And you have to lean on your staff, you have to lean on the guys to, you know, the guys in charge third down, the guys in charge of red zone scores down there, to listen to them. You know what I'm saying? And don't get so narrow-minded. Uh, you know, listen to what they say, absorb, and, and, and share. Because a lot of times I think guys, like, and I, I'm a victim of it too. I got my comfort, my comfort zone, and you just want to go right to it. Well, you can't do that. You have to listen to people. And everybody's had experiences where they came from. and they can lend a hand and you do it collectively, you know? So, uh, you know, there's usually four five, six dudes in that room right there, spend a lot of time together. Usually you can come up with some stuff that will um, give you a, a, you know, a chance. But one thing's for sure that I've found in my career, if you don't have good players, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that was proven. Um, not trying to knock Kansas, but I was at TCU and we did pretty good. And I ran the same plays at Kansas. And um, 
uh, it, it didn't work out too well. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a lot about players, but it's really a lot about, too, how you manage good players. Does that make sense? Like, I think the difference between good coaching and bad coaching is if you have good, you know, if you if you manage good players well, you're a good coach. If you mismanage good players, then that makes you a bad coach. Because if you don't have good players, it don't matter what kind of coach you are. So um, <laughs> that's right. You know, again, you know, we get way too much credit when it goes right. Like when I had Trayvon Boykin and Dawson and all those guys at TCU, it's like I'd be over like everybody else. Like, what's he doing? No, no, no. Oh, great touchdown. <laughs> I mean, everybody's patting you on the back. Hey, great call. You're like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even know what was going on. I mean, so, but in a, at the same time, you get way too much blame when it doesn't go well. And that's just the way it is, you know. Um, but, but to answer your question, you know, you have to draw on your past experiences and, and uh, come with the best plan. And when you – here's the thing about it. When you, when you felt like it was a good play, in film study, and you all agreed on it. Everybody rubber stamped it. Just call the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think guys get so tied on game day. I'm tied on Monday. On game day, I'm, I'm just reading stuff off sheet of paper. You know what I'm saying? Uh, now, you listen and make adjustments that you see, blah, 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 but usually you have enough. You know what I'm saying? Usually on your call sheet, you have enough. Most times you have too much, right? Yeah. So, um, um, and the other thing too, and then I'm getting off on a tangent here, but like, you know, everybody comes and asks, what adjustments did you make? I have to really, we just tried to tell the guys to do better what our plan was, more so than some big adjustment. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, one year we came from behind and beat, uh, who was Oregon. We were down 31 nothing at half and came back and beat them when I was at TCU. And um, people said, what was the happening? What happened was, Gary knocked out their starting quarterback and their center, and they couldn't snap the ball to the quarterback, and quarterback was terrible. That's how we beat them. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even do what I said at halftime. Um, but, you know, kind of going off a tangent there, but, like, I do believe coaching makes a difference. Um, and I think I think a guy that has a certain amount of uh, juice to him and energy uh, and a guy that knows how to handle – when I say handle good players, I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking Sunday to Friday, you know, like problems off the field, school, uh, you know, missing class, girlfriend issue, you know, all the stuff that goes along with it, mm-hmm. you know. Handling all that is what, you know, a good coach does to me. I think um, – and you're watching, you know, like the, the last dance now. I mean, you know, everyone's watching Jordan, and, and I just feel like, you know, Phil Jackson, you know, wins 11 rings, and everyone, of course, says, well, you had Jordan, you had Pippen, you had Shaq, you had Kobe. He managed no. all those dudes. Not, not everyone can That's do right. that. He was a great manager of good players. Uh, he was the perfect guy. He had a perfect demeanor for that mixture of guys. And, um, you know, the one thing that I think, you know, I'm an older guy, so I grew up watching Jordan, and everybody gets into the Jordan-LeBron thing, but you can't deny that guy's competitiveness uh, oh, over no. LeBron James. You know, LeBron James wins with size, and he's a great player, but the the competitive fire, the, the will that just – it didn't matter. He was going to go all out, 
I mean, you can't deny that. I mean, and you try to look for those players in any sport, really. You know what I mean? Because people see, say, hey, he's doing it. I'm going to do it. And it just makes everybody better. And it's hard to find them, you know. Well, Coach, that kind of leads me to my next question. You know, we're talking about your wide receiver room, you know, kind of twofold. You know, obviously, what kind of guys are you looking for to, to put in the room? And then now, you know, kind of the question that all the coaches have now when we have all this free time, you know, how are you kind of staying on top of it? And then how are you kind of coaching them up, you know, from a distance or how, you know, how your meetings kind of going? How, do, how does that all kind of go? I think a lot of our guys are interested in that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, there's basically four types of wideouts you're looking for. So you got to have one that can just take the roof off of it. It's just pure speed. You know, he's going to be probably the guy that has the fewer catches, but his yard per catch averages a lot more than the others. Uh, you have to have that somewhere. You got to have a pot returner, you know, a guy that can catch the low routes and make, turn them big, you know, like Edelman and, you know, Amendola, Westwell, you know, you have to have that guy. Uh, you have to have a big guy that can win with size, a big guy can body up over the middle. Uh, you know, you have to have that type. And then the fourth guy is the X Factor. He's just the best at everything. He's the black man. The, the, he's the uh, he's the, uh, Des Bryant, you know, he's the Julio Jones, you know. You got to have – that's kind of the mixture you're looking for. And you don't necessarily have to have four great ones. You really need one. If you got one great one and you have those other guys that kind of have somewhat of those elements I mentioned, you know, that's a perfect unit, you know, in terms of receivers. And then you got to find guys that can make contested catches. I think a lot of guys can make plays and run a curl against cover three and things like that. But like when there's a body on them, they've got body control and leaping ability and timing and they, they're strong handed. That's where the rubber meets the road really for me is a guy that can make contested catches, the guy that can play big. You know, I've coached a lot of guys that are small that play big and I've coached guys that are big that play small. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so you got to try to find guys that play big, regardless of their size, uh, that can make contested catches and things like that. So that's what I look for. Um, you know, and they always say, you know, the further away you line up from the ball, the worse, you know, more problems you have. And that's probably true. Um, <laughs> receivers, receivers, you know, they all want the ball. There's only one, that's all that stuff. And, but, you know, in terms of what we're doing now, I mean, we're doing the Zoom meetings and, the, you know, really, I wouldn't say we're doing as much football as we're doing, you know, just how you doing, uh, are you working out, where, uh, who's around you, what's going on at home, um, how's your folks, um, you know, and there's a lot of academic stuff, really, you know. So I call them all at 9 o'clock every day, or not, yeah, check in with them, make sure they're up so they can do their coursework, you know. Uh, you know, they're up rolling and uh you know we get great reports from the academic office and you um you, know, you check that you call them and hey there any problems or, you know are you getting assignments you know it's all that stuff and there's a little football there you know we're doing some football but it's not like you got them with you you know there's only so many times you can watch the four spring practices that we have already had <laughs> right 
Um, and I think I think on Zoom meetings, shoot, about 30 minutes in, you lost most of them. You know what I mean? Agreed. Uh, because they're not focused. They're sitting there in a the room. God knows what's going on where they are. You know, there's probably a girlfriend in there with them or mom's cooking for them or whatever. You know, they're not focused. But you do the best you can, you know. I think I think too many guys are just, Hey, we can use this to our advantage and get ahead and yada yada yada. I just feel like you're like a dog chasing your tail in a circle, you know. Just everybody relax, make sure they're healthy and they're taken care of and when you do get your hands on them, go from there, you know. That's that's and that's just me personally kinda. Of, so Coach, you talk about hard. You talk about your film, you know, your, your four spring practices. Is that something, too? I mean, you have a library of film from all the places, the same offense. Are you showing a lot of that older film? Or are you still just kind of like, you know what, the past is the past. We're going we're gonna to look at, at us and we're going to try to get us better. Yeah, you, you do that. You, you take individual routes and, like, a deep out. And how you adjust it in certain coverages, what you do to it versus man. And, you know, you take route types. Uh, you do, you know, you do a lot of coverage study because, like, wideouts in the air raid, you know, it's not precision timing uh, football. It's 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 get get in the grass and and understand, you know, the man. You know, you start with is the man or zone? Is it single high? Is it too high? Is you know what? What's the leverage I'm seeing here? And what are the receivers outside of me and the other side of me running? You know, so where's my spot based on the route scheme? And there's a lot to be said, a lot to learn there just without watching themselves. But unfortunately, uh, a lot of kids won't watch it real, real hard unless they're watching themselves. So <laughs> now some will. I completely but, agree. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, just watch it. I mean, but some guys do. Not all of them do. Everybody learns different. A lot of people learn better when they see themselves doing it and someone else doing it. And uh, I, I understand that, but you still, you go through it. And uh, the, you know, the adjustments that those receivers make on the run are pretty critical. They have to see coverage like QB does. And, and that's why when we do routes on air practice, you know, there's four receivers going all at once under one scheme umbrella and four balls are thrown. And uh, we give them different coverages. You know, I've, I've been a Mike linebacker for like 12 years. Uh, the coaches play on <laughs> coverage. So so uh, it gives them a chance to run the same scheme and see a different leverage or a different coverage or a rotation in the coverage and understand, you know, like seam reads or just all that stuff. So, yeah, you can watch all that get better. You can watch the one-on-ones. Like we do a filter where if they went, we tag their jersey number next to it. So there's just, you know, you can do that individually. Like in those four practices, one guy may have like 18 one-on-one reps, you know, so you can watch those. You know, oh, you can I like watch that. Your, That's cool. It's good. Yeah, you, you do a, a target tape, you know. It's pretty good. Like take all your practice film and just have somebody tar- put the jersey number down anytime a receiver is targeted and you, you make a cut up of all their targets and, one-on-ones and seven-on and team and everything else, and they can, you know, they're going to watch that. <laughs> that's that's so that's funny you say that. That was – it brings me back, and I don't know if we just had little man syndrome or, or what at Houston, but every time we got a new offensive line coach, they'd come in, and they were only there for a year, so they'd show 
wherever they were, you know, at their cool school the year before. <laughs> and said, look at this, yeah. Oklahoma State doing this. And I always – I don't know if I just wasn't very confident myself or what. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, screw those guys. We, I don't care what Oklahoma yeah. State's doing. Uh, yeah, so, we're Houston. That's right. Well, I want to see what me do it. I brought, I brought old Coach Ellerby with me. He's a good coach. He's a good coach. He, does, he did a good job. Do you, are, do you still run any of the diamond stuff? That was always yeah, – yeah. I, I hated the diamond when we called it. I don't yeah. know why. I just it was it was maybe it was because OSU ran it. I don't know, but I was yeah. man. I heard Diamond. I was like, golly, when I was out yeah. there. Me and Dana and Joe Wickline were sitting. Uh, we were sitting at a, a local uh, place by this lake, and Dana drew it up on a bar napkin. And the reason we ran it, we only ran like two plays out. We were, we were trying to manufacture lifted coverage outside, like quarters or, or cover threes, what you mm. usually get in the three backs. So you had free access, easy stop routes, and easy outs and throws on the outside. Mm-hmm. Because the moment they play hard corners in this cover two, you check to a run. That was the main reason we ran it. And we, I mean, we ran inside zone and lock, which we called, I think when I was there with you, 24-25. And we called it 34-35. And then we ran um, inside zone, uh, 32-33. That was it, really. But um, it was really just a way to get free access outside, easy easy 8 to 10 to 12-yard throws. That makes know? sense. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't for him. We thought it was a great run formation. We were trying to get Justin Blackman free access. He, gets, <laughs> he got doubled. He got doubled a lot, you know. So yeah, I bet when he got yeah. So it it helped. It helped that in that area, and then it just kind of spun into all different areas. Now everybody runs it a million different things out of it. But it was funny when we first ran it that one season. The the spring. You know, a lot of the coaches come to view practices in spring and hang out and learn ball and all that. And we threw for like five billion yards, and then all they wanted to talk about was a three-back run game. <laughs> <laughs> this was at Oklahoma State. And I'm like, what? It's inside zone, dude. I don't know what to tell you. Great state of Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> Coach, you know, the, the other thing, you talk about, you know, being cool on Saturdays, the – the number one thing that you did that no other coach I've ever seen still to this day do is you sat at the back of the bus when you were at Houston going over yeah. to the stadium. Is that something that you still do? What was the, what was the thought process behind that? For whatever reason, I always thought that was, that was so cool. Um, I can tell you why. You really want to know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's because on game day, I didn't like being around coaches because they're so nervous and it made me – I didn't like it. <laughs> that is yep. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I mean, I'll have these superstitions, which actually doesn't mean anything. You know, you can have – don't do this or I wore this tie the last time with you, blah, 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 all that. Or, uh, my, my, my lucky hat, my lucky shoes. I'm just like, good God. It's just so much – that's just a bunch of mental gymnastics to jump through for no reason because it really has a lot to do with your players being in the right spot, playing with fanatical effort. That's all that matters. You know, <laughs> if they're in the right spot and they play hard, all that other stuff, it's just ease. So, I, yeah, I, I, just, I didn't like being around. And it's nothing not better than anybody else. I just didn't like feeling tight. That was it. I hated being tight. 
It's funny you remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, well, that was because the linemen always had to sit in the back. And so you were back by us. And I, we always like, man, the coordinator's back here with all the offensive linemen. What's, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, what's I'm going a, on back here? That's funny. That's funny. I, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah, I still like that. Like on game day, a lot of times I will get in the stadium. I'll go in my office and just shut the door. I just, you're, I, you're completely right. We, we used to always uh, – we always noticed it as players too with, with certain coaches. We'd be like, man, yeah. he is uptight. Like he wouldn't be like that all week. And then on Saturday and he's asking us a million questions and we're like, well, if we don't know it now, we're kind of screwed. And, you know, we ended yeah. up laughing. Look, look how nervous that coach is or whatever, which probably wasn't very nice because it's, it's uh, yeah. you know, it's his job. But to us, we're, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's just – it doesn't help anything. I just – I think how you are and your mentality it doesn't bleed into all the players, but it, it bleeds into it enough to – your personality and, and how you carry yourself on game day. You want them to be tight, and you act tight. They'll be tight, you know. Um, and, and, you know, there's a fine line there between, you know, being focused and just being a clown on game day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, I certainly don't want everybody to be jacking around, but talking about players, but – Coach-wise, no, I'm I'm nervous on Sunday night, Monday, when I can't figure out what the hell to run, you know. And once we get it all tight, you know, we get it down and we get it all wrapped, I'm just like, hey, this is awesome. Let's, I got the best seat in the house. <laughs> that's right. You know. So, um, you know, that, that's that's why I sat back there. Well, that I, makes complete kind of that makes complete sense. I'm I'm with you on that one. <laughs> So, yeah, so, I, I just <laughs> and then the other thing, I think you're kind of, you know, now, you know, at, at TCU a, a couple of times, I think you're, you're probably living every um, high school defensive coordinator's dream. Um, and, and you're, you know, I, I'm sure uh, as much as different colleges and NFL teams go uh, in off season and, and meet with other coaches, I'm sure there's, you know, hundreds of different staffs coming over, you know, to meet with, with your guys' defense at TCU because it, it's kind of, yeah. you know, known. Is that something that being on the same staff as those guys, is it ever something like you don't necessarily want to ask a bunch in the off season, or is it something that it's pretty open? You guys, you know, at least when you were first there, first, you know, getting around that staff where you guys could really iron it out and, and kind of learn what they were doing and all the different, uh, you know, match and different things that they were doing in the back end. Yeah, I – I, I want to say this to you, you know, Gary Patterson's a, a legend. I mean, he, he's probably the best D coordinator there is. Uh, you know, he's the best. Uh, and, and it's the four two five and all that stuff. And, and you can see their calls and the coverages and all that stuff. And, and you can figure out what they call what and what they're playing and all that. The secret to me, to Gary and that defense is not – necessarily the scheme it's how they do it it's how they train it and gary's personality and you can't match that you cannot match it you can come learn it but you got to be kind of like that guy or you're not it ain't gonna matter uh he, he the way they do it and the way they train those kids is unlike anything i've ever seen in my life and you you can learn the scheme but doesn't mean you're going to be successful I mean, my hat's off to him because it, it's it's his method in which makes it work, and you can't copy his method. There's no way. You know, that's my opinion on it. I mean, he's he's unbelievable. 
he's got a memory like an elephant, you know, and hmm. I've never seen anything like it. It's uh, and you know what? It makes us better because at practice, you know, for one, he has the whistle. So we never <laughs> pick up the first down. Uh-huh. It's always a sack. I mean, it's fine, but it's so much harder at practice and it's so easier, so much easier on game day because it's just hard. It's hard to move it an inch against them. Um, and they, you know, they do a good job uh, scheming and they match your outs and they do a good job. And it's the method in which they do it. You know, you can come in and you can talk ball with them and you can find out the whole playbook. And I still don't think you can do it the way he does it because it's the method in which he does it is just unbelievable. Now, Harper and I have had so many conversations, you know, so many guys spend the time, you know, studying all the science, all the X's and O's, all the what you call it. You know, it's like a dictionary of terms, it seems like. And then they spend a, the least amount of time kind of studying, like you're saying, that art of coaching, you know, how they teach yeah. it, how they fix it, how they, you know, know the techniques inside and out. And I would assume you're doing the same thing with, with your guys. You could give everyone your playbook, but you have all the nuances yeah. kind of down on how to teach it. Yeah, no question. Um, and really, you know, I, I don't claim to have the secrets like that guy does because that guy has them. Um, you know, really for me, um, you know, you can draw up a lot of cool routes and all that stuff, but protection beats coverage. You know, if you if you got some guys up there and buy three or four seconds and, you know, you can run, you know, you don't have to run a lot of routes. You know, like LSU, you know, they – they they blew the top off of it, and if you really study them, they didn't, they didn't do that much. They had they had good protection. They had a really calm quarterback that was super accurate, and they had better receivers than everybody else. <laughs> you know, uh, That's right. It wasn't like they were it wasn't like they were doing something like, oh my god, I've never seen that route in my life. No, they were just running normal stuff. Uh, but they had a generational quarterback, and um most accurate QB I think I've ever seen in my life, you know, probably in college anyway. But now to go back to my points, like, yeah, it, it, it's the method, you know, it's, it's the things. And, you know, another important thing with coaching is learning how a guy learns and what, how do, how do you maximize his ability? You know, there's a lot of different ways to approach it because everyone's different. You got to sort through it and figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, like for me, you can give me an instruction manual before Christmas, the night before Christmas, to put a bicycle together, and I can't. Re- I, obviously, the picture, and I can put it together. Now I, I may have a couple of bolts left and stuff, but it, it, it's working pretty good. <laughs> but it good. works. You know, that's just me. But you give me some instruction manual, I'm done. I'm like, I can't hear you do it. I can't do it. You know. So, um, you know, everyone's different that way. You know. You know, some people. There, some people are color by number, and some people can just paint. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. And you got to figure out how they – is he a color by number guy? Is he a guy who can just kind of do it? Is he, how you relate to him? Are you hard on him because he needs it? Or is he a guy that's hard enough on himself, um, doesn't necessarily need it? You just – you can't coach them all the same. That, that's, that's a pretty key component, you know, to it. I know on offense it is anyway. It, it may not quite be that way on defense, but offensively it is, you know. I think as you learn, as you get older, you realize that 
you know, you're really not that good a coach. You, you've got some good players, and you, 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 through the course of being around a bunch of players, you learn how to handle them a little bit better, you know, as you get older. Like, there's a lot of things I said to players and treated a kid 20 years ago that I look back on and go, man, that was bad, you know? That was not good, how you handled that situation, whatever it was. And, you know, it's just let you know you can always learn something from somebody else, you know? And uh, as you get older, you, you, you realize things that are important that you didn't realize when you were younger, you know, just through the course of time. It's just a matter of using that history to your advantage. Does that make sense? Like, that's why we have history, you know, so you can learn from it. So I made a million mistakes. Uh, I, I still do. And, but, you know, you, you try to get better and learn as you go through it all, you know, and how to handle those kids and who learns in what way. Well, Coach, we've had a blast. It's been a fun hour. Uh, before I let you go, yeah. though, uh, the question I always like to ask everybody is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they would be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Uh, guys that strain and uh, guys that you can see take good first steps. Like I see a lot of linemen, they step in the bucket, they step underneath themselves, they're sloppy with their first step. And hand placement. I see a lot of linemen with the hands outside. Usually it's because they don't trust their feet enough to get them inside. So if I see a no line that, uh, that, that strain, you know what I mean by strain? I mean, they, they play to the yes. whistle mm -hmm. and they take solid first steps that travel and they have their hands inside. I see guys that do that. Uh, you know, that, that gives you some respect for an O line guy, you know, honestly. Is that was that something? Because you were an offensive line coach, right? It, was that something that you? Or I mean, you were an offensive line man when you played, correct? Uh huh. Yeah, it's, about it, hundred pounds. Good. <laughs> was that something? You know, I always think of coordinators. You know, never looking at those front five guys and seeing all the coverages and different things. Is that something since you played that that uh, you still find yourself looking at quite often because you actually <laughs> do understand a lot of the intricacies that maybe a lot of coordinators don't. Yeah, I think that when we're watching film, um, and, and O-line plays passed me by two decades ago. I mean, all the stuff you guys do now is unbelievable because there's all the stuff you have to see. But I still think some of the foundational things that when I played and when I coached it for a little while, uh, we're watching practice tape. I feel like I can make comments that aren't just stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, we're just blocking. Why don't they block? You know, there's why, why you're not blocking him. I feel like I can kind of ID it a little bit as to why. Or, or maybe a protection or uh, how you pass off a twist and things like that. I think I can speak on it and not just sound like a some, you know, prima donna. That, you know what I'm saying? I, I feel like that I, I have a little bit of insight on it. And I may be wrong. No line coach may go, that guy's a jackass. I wish he'd be quiet. He doesn't know anything about it. But <laughs> in my mind, I feel like I do a little bit, you know. And, and I don't pretend to know it. I don't because I don't. And I do spend an enormous amount of time on, you know, routes and protections and, and reads and hots and side adjustments and how you read it and his coverage and where he should, you know, all the stuff you do and all the other stuff. But I, I do, I can see a line play and have appreciation for it or, or maybe make recommendations that aren't just, you know, 
useless. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Well, well, I can tell you this. We, we've had OCs that were former punters, and we've had OCs that are former offensive line guys, and, and those are always my favorite, the, the old offensive yeah. line guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was funny. Like, when I first started coordinating, I was coaching O-line at Georgia Military, and as I, and as I got into the air raid, as soon as we do seven on seven, I'd go do that and let my GA coach uh, blocking, you know, the one on ones. I would just leave. <laughs> and that, that's when I realized I probably should just not coach a line anymore. So, because uh, I think those guys, you know, they probably didn't appreciate that a lot. Well, then again, maybe they, they loved it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they were happy. Maybe they're like, thank God that butthole's out of here, you know, whatever. But, yeah, man. It's been good. I, I appreciate it. Um, thanks for – I'm glad you're doing well, Rowdy. Um, and if there's anything I did to you back in the day, I apologize now. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not that I remember. I remember that year. I've had some bad years at Houston. I remember that one being being pretty good. So, uh, I, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. I'll tell you, the one game I remember the most is the Rutgers. Yes, I do too. I tell everyone about – do you remember at halftime – Going into the locker room, yeah. I've never seen a team. I've never seen a team get you know punked that way. That was it was crazy. We killed them. I will tell you, in pregame warmups, I was like, we're about to get murdered. <laughs> and then really? we went so we went so fast. They didn't know what was up, down, what happened. It was over. We were popping on, popping on screens. We were <laughs> we put Greenberry out there. We got inside the ten through fades, I and mean, they didn't know what was going on. And they were so huge, though. They were built for a Big Ten, you know. But we were just a bunch of little dudes. We went real fast. And I think it was like 40-something to 10 or something like that. I don't remember. It was. They were, they were full full house, and it was silent. Yeah, it was. We. I'm not kidding you. When they came out in pregame, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. They were, they were huge. They were huge, <laughs> which was good, so. Anyway, hey, man, good talk. I'll talk to you, Brad. Give me a call. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.